hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm going to move swiftly through the message. I preached this message last night, and I got through it in just under two hours, so I'm going to move a little swifter this morning, right? And uh, so if you'll listen swiftly, I will speak somewhat swiftly. But Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, right, he says, hey, now when you give to the needy, when you pray personally, and then last week Pastor Rod says when you fast. So those are kind of three assumptions that Jesus makes in this kingdom life that we are seeking to live out. And then as we get into Matthew chapter 6, 19 to 24, he gets in our business a little bit. He gets a little more personal with things in our lives. And if you read this, you're like, well, why, why is he talking about that there? We're talking about prayer and giving and fasting. Those are significant spiritual disciplines. And then he gets into this idea of treasures. It's been a problem in my life for a long time. And years ago, I picked up a book by A.W. Tozer called The Pursuit of God. I would recommend the read to you. It's a 31-day devotional experience. And in this book, on day four, Tozer has this idea of the tyranny of things, you can see that my page is coming out. That's not a good sign. And in this tyranny of things, you probably can't see it, but I've got sections marked up and asterisked and all kinds of things going on because the tyranny of things is a real problem in my life. In that chapter, Tozer says this, that there is within the human heart you can go and bring it up there. You go, within the human heart, a tough, fibrous root of fallen life whose nature is to possess, always possess. It covets things with a deep and fierce passion. The pronouns my and mine look innocent enough in print, but their constant and universal use is significant. They express the real nature of the old Adamic man better than a thousand volumes of theology could do. They're verbal symptoms of our deep disease. Things have become necessary to us. A development never originally intended. God's gifts now take the place of God, and the whole course of nature is upset by this monstrous substitution. Matthew chapter 6, we begin to see Jesus as he continues with the Sermon on the Mount, speaking to a group of people. I don't know how many the Bible doesn't say. I picture maybe 100, 150 people sitting on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus sharing this message about this kingdom. Now, the group that he is listening to are likely a group of people with few earthly possessions. They probably do not have a lot. Uh, they're not a lot of storage unit in the first century, right? And so they don't have a lot. But Jesus is speaking about this message of these treasures. In this section, there are three brief tests that, that I just want to share with you that I see in the passage. The first test is in verses 19 through 21, where Jesus talks about this treasure Test. Look with me in Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Jesus says, do not. Say that with me. Do not. Do not. You're like, oh, it's reverse psychology. No, it's not. It's do not. When you told your kids or your grandkids do not, they immediately thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to do. Not reverse psychology. Jesus is very clear. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Here's a verse you're probably familiar with. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Don't store up treasures. This idea of treasures is things that we can actually possess, hold on to, stuff. The command, it's an imperative in the original language. Don't do that. And, and despite maybe what you and I have heard, he who dies with the most toys wins, that's not a kingdom principle. Not a kingdom principle. And by the way, we like our things. Amen? We like our stuff. The storage business is a big business in the West. It's because we have to have a place to put our things, our stuff. Our stuff has stuff. And in the passage, Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, stop. Before you go too far, do not store up, do not lay up earthly treasures where moth, rust, thieves have access to. They're not going to last anyway. This was a favorite subject of Jesus, by the way, in the New Testament. Finances, wealth, one of his favorite subjects. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus says this. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. But we've been convinced to some degree that life can be measured by how much we own. That life can be measured, not just how much we own, but what we own in the how much, right? And from time to time, we begin to understand that we can find a life. We, we try to find our worth, our significance, our value, and our status in our stuff. In our stuff. It's a dangerous way that Jesus portrays this here. Watch out. Be on your guard. Don't store up these treasures that are going to fade away. Uh, last year, uh, my family was in Oklahoma. We are from there, and we were at my mother-in-law's home. And uh, we were having a family gathering. And uh, I was in my mother-in-law's kitchen, seemed like the place to be. And I'm standing there, and there's kind of a new family member. He married into the family, right? He married in, and he's, gonna, he's an optometrist. And he's, I think he's just completed his, his, his time to be an optometrist. He's going to open up a practice, I believe. But anyway, I'm standing in the kitchen. He's looking at me, and I don't know him that well. And then he makes his way toward me, and he gets close to me, and I'm like, hey, Nathan, what's up? He says, hey, Greg, what's up? I'm like, what's going on, man? He's like, I love those glasses. <laughs> right, that's the optometrist line, right? I love those glasses. And I had these glasses on. I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks, man. He said, are those Cartier's? Now, if that didn't land on you, a legit pair of Cartier frames are probably in, I'm just guessing, well over a thousand bucks. Is that a fair number? Cartier. How many of you know Cartier? You people got to get out. I'm telling you. You got to, don't Google it now, right? He said, are those Cartier frames? I'm like, well, sort of. He's like, what are you talking about? Sort of. I mean, he was all enamored with my frames. He was just dialed in. He's like, man, those are awesome. They're gold and they're Cartier. And he's like, what's happening out there in the AZ? I'm like, that's how we do it, man. That's how we do it out west. Cartier's? I'm like, yeah, sort of. He's like, what do you mean sort of? I'm like, brother, full disclosure. I bought these babies in Nepal for 20 bucks. So I'm guessing they're not Cartier's. But he was enamored. He was enamored with the stuff. Never crossed my mind. I just liked them, picked them up. They were 20 bucks. And he was all enamored with stuff. We, we get pretty enamored with stuff. And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 stop. Don't do it. Don't lay up. Don't focus on it. Don't give your time, energy, and attention to too much stuff. Don't let the stuff that you own 
begin to owe you. But notice what he says in the second part of that. But what you need to do is, is lay up, store up treasures in heaven where moth, rust, and thieves have no access to. Then he says this, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You read that and think, no, 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 I think that's a misprint. It should be where your treasure is, your heart goes. But Jesus is like, no, 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 where your treasure is. In other words, where I put my treasure, what I value in life. It's like I get to choose the treasure which determines the direction of my heart. How do we store up these earthly treasures? By living as Jesus lived. John mentioned this in his time up here. By living the life that Jesus lived, right? Character, conduct of the kingdom. When I invest in the kingdom, I'm storing up heavenly treasures. Jesus goes on, and the second test is the eye test. It's a lot about the eye today, right? Notice verse 22 and 23. Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. What does he mean? Uh, in the first century, they would see the eye as a window into the soul, a window where light was allowed to come in. You, you, I hope you see the, the symbolism there that as light comes in, it's a, it, and, and it allows light into the soul. Now, he said that the eye is the lamp of the body. The window could also be translated that way. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? The context is valuable here. Man, every time you read the scripture, read it in context. Read it. Read it in context. There's been enough guys and gals take a passage and pull it out of context and use it in a way that it was never intended to be used. There's enough of that going on in the world. Understand context. So in the context, Jesus is talking about treasure. What matters, what's important. And he addresses the eye. Now notice there in, in the second part of that verse down in 23 says, but if your eye is bad, if your eye is bad, he's likely speaking of a first century idiom that had this idea to mean that the eye was bad was to look at something with envy and jealousy. Makes sense in the passage, doesn't it? So Jesus is like, if your eye is bad, if you are looking at things, your own stuff, or those around you with envy and jealousy, your, your body is no longer filled with spiritual light, but now it, it has the capacity. What begins to happen is that you are prone to spiritual darkness because of envy and jealousy. This is serious stuff. The 10th commandment in Exodus 20, 17, the scripture says this, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, his truck, his boat, her jewelry, her shoes. You're like, Pastor, I'm not quite seeing that there. Look at what he says. Or anything of your neighbor's. Covetousness, jealousy. That, is, that brings spiritual darkness into our lives. And Jesus is talking about this eye test, and this eye test is like, in the context, the eye is how we view, how we evaluate. It gives us perspective on things, on life, on our stuff that is not going to last. It's going away. You remember how cool beepers were about 25 years ago? They're gone. Thank the Lord. That, that stuff goes away, man. It doesn't last. When we pastored in Oklahoma, my dad had a good friend, and uh, he was a businessman. He had done very well in business. He and my dad were just, man, they were great friends for a very long time until my dad passed away. And he was always, him and his wife were always so gracious to our family. And on Sundays after church from time to time, they would invite us to the country club. Woo, there you go. It was either Taco Bell or country club. 
And he would invite us. We'd go to the country club, have this, uh, I don't even know if you remember those days, son. You were eating chicken like crazy back then. But anyway, uh, you go to this beautiful spread, you know, it had the waffle area and had the gentleman with the, the, the hat. He was cutting the roast beef. It was just really kind of cool. Great meal. They were so gracious to us. One day I pulled in the parking lot, Sharon and I, and we might have had, had G with us. And I pulled next to this, this Mercedes Benz. And uh, this was like mid-90s. This isn't the car, but just help. I'm just trying to help you get a picture. This isn't the car, but something like that. We were driving a Plymouth at the time, and I'm not sure they're making Plymouths any longer. (laughs) If they are, they should stop it. (laughs) And so I pull in next to the Mercedes and like, someday, man, honey, someday. This is where we're headed. She's like, whatever. (laughs) And uh, we pull in, and so we get out of the car, and I walk behind our car, and I walk behind this Mercedes, and I took a quick look at the license plate. It had an Oklahoma license plate on it, but it also had a license plate holder, and on the bottom of it, it said, Future Scrap Metal. I'm like, there it is. It's the eye test. It's perspective. It's how you look at things. The eye test. How do you look at your stuff? How do you look at others' stuff? Are you a spiritual, godly believer to say, I wish I had my neighbor's truck if he could get a better one? <laughs> oh, I wish I could wear a dress like that. I wish she, and she can get a better one. I'll just take that one. This is how we play the game when it comes to our treasures. The last little test we see here is the serving test. Notice what happens in verse 24. Jesus is very emphatic in the whole passage. No one can serve two masters, for he's either going to hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Boy, look at this last sentence here. Very emphatic. You cannot serve God and money. Like, Pastor, what's the Greek mean? You cannot serve God and money. What's the first century translation? You get the picture. We'd love to change that. We'd love to rewrite that. We'd love to tweak that a little bit. And so surely there's some room for some of that. It's, it's very, very, very emphatic. Mammon. Your Bible may say mammon. That's a translation. That is a transliterated word of an Aramic word that means wealth, goods, or riches. How many of you see mammon in their Bible? Do you see that term? It's just a transliteration of an Arabic word, right? Wealth, riches, goods, stuff. F.F. Bruce said that this word mammon is wealth personified. C.H. Spurgeon said this about this passage, There cannot be two master principles, a man's heart or a master passions, in a man's soul. In conclusion, let me ask you a question. Then what do we do with the mammon? We all have it. We all have mammon. You understand that? We all, what, what do we do with it? What's our relationship to it? Jesus evidently is coming down pretty strong with this idea of, of laying up treasures in heaven. What in the world do we do with the mammon? Do me a favor right now. Take, take 30 seconds. Say, Pastor, there's a couple things in my life that if I'm not careful, they have the ability to, to control me, to, to own me. To, I have an unhealthy relationship with a couple things in my life. Just, just think about it. Not people, but things. Think about it. Think about it this way. You're like, If you weren't here right now and you had some free time, where would you be maybe or what would you be doing? Maybe that's a better question. I got two things. If I wasn't here right now, there's probably two things. One of two, I would be doing or where I would be. I'm not going to tell you what they are right now. Okay, do you have something? You're like, boy, I've got to be careful with that. 
If I don't pay attention to that, that thing can consume my life. Anybody have something like that? You're like, whoo, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, I have some of that, right? If I go buy a nice cycling bike store, I'm like, eh. You know, there's a Trek store. I ride a Trek bike. There's a Trek store in Avondale. You don't even know this. You guys know this? It's in Avondale off the I-10. I live at 144th in Happy Valley. Sometimes when I tell Sharon, oh, my wife, I got to run up to the church. I try to figure out how can I... Like, the church is 10 minutes, brother. Where you been? Oh, had to go through Avondale. <laughs> I mean, I have to be careful with that stuff. If I go to a new city, no kidding, I'll look. Is there a Trek bicycle store there? I do it all the time. So I have to be careful with that stuff. You probably have something similar. Fair? Fair enough? You probably have something. I'm just being facetious. But you, you have something similar. Okay, I want you to think about that. You have to be careful with it. It can become too much. It can consume your life. You can overdo it. You can say, good grief, I'm out of control. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? A couple things you can do with that. Let me give you a couple biblical principles, and actually we see this in the life of Jesus. Yeah, uh, could be your boat, could be your golf clubs, could be your sewing machine, could be your car, uh, could be your art supplies, could be your musical instrument. It could be a number of things, right? Say I'm tracking, Pastor. I'm tracking. You're human. I get it. What do we do with that? One thing we can do is we can look at the life of Jesus and say, well, how did he handle these things, right? There's an example. The first thing, the first example is this, is that we see uh, in Matthew 19, 21, where a wealthy man approaches Jesus. It's a rich young ruler. Jesus gives him some advice. He says what you need to do is sell all of that stuff that you're enamored with. You need to sell all of that, give it to the poor, come follow me. Now, that's a pretty drastic measure. Wouldn't you agree? In fact, it's so drastic, the young man says, I don't think so, and he walks away sad. Some of us may be in the position today where there's something in our life that has such a hold on us, a possession, a treasure, a thing, where we really should consider, I, I think I need to give this up. I think I need to remove this out of my life. That's the seriousness of what Jesus is speaking about. So that's one option. I sell it, and then when I sell it, I, I give it to the poor. We see here in Matthew 19, 21. That's one option. There's another option. A little bit of a case study that we see. I love this case study. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 5. There's another option I think I see in the New Testament. Now, there's more. I'm just giving you two. What's our relationship with stuff? With stuff. What's our relationship to things? In Luke chapter 5, I see a second thing here that, that I think is a possibility when it comes to us and these treasures that we're talking about. The second option is I can let Jesus use what God has entrusted to me. Now, I want you to lean in and understand this. The second thing I can do with the stuff in my life that I enjoy, that has the ability, if I'm not careful, to get a hold of me. For some of us, it's sports. It's a team. For some of us, it's something else. Or like It has the ability to capture my heart and it's unhealthy. What do I do with it? Maybe this is a better option. What I can do is I can take what has the ability to capture my life, the treasure I'm focused on on earth, and I can let Jesus use it and give it to him. He's like, where did you come up with that? Luke chapter 5. Listen to the passage. The scripture says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. Notice verse 3. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, who was also Peter, 
Jesus gets into Peter's boat and he tells Peter, push me out from the land. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to teach. Like, what are you talking about? I'm talking about Peter had something. What did he have? He had a boat. He had a boat. And Jesus is there. The crowd is pushing in. And it's when a large crowds begin to gather, Jesus would push out. He would use the water to project the teaching. Peter has boats. He was a fisherman. Jesus says, I need that boat. Peter, I want to use your boat. Can I get into your boat to talk about this kingdom? This is a powerful principle, by the way, is that maybe there's something in your life, right, that you enjoy, that you love, that's a part of who you are. It's music, it's art, uh, it, it's recreation, it's hiking, it's, it's all kinds of things. And sometimes we feel guilty about those things. Sometimes we feel guilty that we have that or that's a part of our lives. What if we flip the script, change the perspective and said, Jesus, it's yours. Use it to further the kingdom. What about it? That's what I see in the passage. Peter has a boat. You're like, Pastor, I think you're just up there trying to get a new bass boat. I am, but that's beside the point. He used what was there. Jesus used what was Peter's to expand the kingdom. What a brilliant idea. I, I, I love this idea. This, so this, the, the, this healthy relationship to our treasures means they are always available to Jesus. Those set of peeing golf clubs, those aren't yours. They're Jesus's. That sewing machine, oh, it's not yours. That's the Lord's. That vehicle, that stove, those art supplies, that guitar, it's not ours. It's his. And let's hand it to him, it's already here. You use it to expand the kingdom. It's a powerful principle. Let me ask you, what treasure has God entrusted to you that you would allow Jesus to use for kingdom purposes, i.e. for heavenly treasures? I want you to get excited about this. This is a breakthrough for some of us. Hey, in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, God looked at Moses and asked him, what's in your hand? You remember that? He says, what's in your hand? I will get glory out of it. Let me ask you, what's he put in your hand? What can you use? What can you leverage? What can you facilitate? What's he entrusted unto you? You're like, Jesus, this is yours. Use it for the kingdom and facilitate heavenly treasures while on earth. You got something. Say, I got something. Oh, I know you do. You're looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate. I know you got stuff. What can you do? How could you use that to say, all right, this week, man, I'm leveraging what I have. I'm praying that God will use it. It's all his. I don't own it. I'm just a steward of it. What treasure has God blessed you with that others could be blessed by? That's the idea. Let me close up. Here's the challenge. I'm going to challenge you to take the next step toward generosity, toward a generous life. I think that's the key here. Treasures, all right. To be honest, it's, it's a little gray, right? Treasure on earth, treasure in heaven, not sure what that looks like. There are rewards for believers, by the way. There are rewards. That's a little uncomfortable for us to talk about that. But there are biblical rewards for believers. Yeah, you're not going to take that stuff with you, but the scripture teaches you can invest and send it ahead where when you arrive, it's there. That all begins, I think, with a generous life, generosity. And you know, the research shows that 
Christians are becoming less and less generous. Christians now are giving 2.5% of their income during the Great Depression. It was 3.3%. Only 3 to 5 of Americans who give to their local church do so through regular tithing. The average giving by adults who attend a U.S. Protestant church is about $17 a week. We're getting less and less generous. And that's a sad thing. Believers should be the most generous people on the planet with our time, with our talents, with our treasures. We should be the most generous people on the planet. One of my heroes is Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott and four other guys, four other missionaries were martyred on January 8, 1956. He was 28 years old. This is a picture of three of the missionaries, what is believed to be on the Carreri River in, in, in uh, Ecuador, where they were brutally murdered, martyred by the Aka tribe. They had spent about a year trying to make connection with the tribe. They knew that the tribe was a, a, a very dangerous tribe, and they were just trying to connect them to the love of Jesus. Elliot and the four men were speared to death, even though they were well-armed with guns. They chose not to act. And there on that day, January the 8th, they died. About seven years before that, Jim Elliott, on October 28, 1949, wrote these words in his journal. That's a picture of his journal. Jim Elliott writes that he is no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. Let that resonate as we close. He's no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. He wrote that on October 28, 1949, around the age of 21 or 22. Did he know the prophetic quote, the words that God had spoken to him? Did he know the significance of the prophecy of that? Probably not. Within a few years after those five missionaries died, were martyred, on that sandbar in Ecuador, the gospel went forth into the dangerous village of the Aka people. In fact, it wasn't long after that, Jim's wife, Elizabeth, and his young daughter, daughter Valerie, made their way into the village, taking the message of Jesus. Numerous villagers became believers in Jesus Christ. You can read more about this beyond the Gates of Splendor, I think, is the movie. But if you're a believer, I would encourage you to learn more about what happened that day and how God used that to create a movement of what we would call heavenly treasures because of five men who believe he's no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. A few years ago, a buddy of mine stopped by the church, and he was so excited. He said, Pastor, Pastor, I, I, I found this book. It's the journals of Jim Elliott. I'm like, man, where did you get that? He said, Goodwill, $1.99. That's pre-pandemic, by the way, probably three bucks now. And it's true. You can see, if you can see a marking, you see the quote, he is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let's be generous. 
Let's not focus on the earthly treasures. I think it's okay to have them. That's my personal take. I don't think Jesus is saying, hey, don't, don't get any, you don't need any stuff. If God calls you to that, then do it. I don't think the point is, I can't have stuff. I think the point is, don't let the stuff have you. I think that's the point here. Let's be generous with our time, talent, and our treasure. Right before Gregory comes up and closes us out, I want to mention that on our Lord's Supper weekends, which is generally the second weekend of every month here at Discovery Point, we're now launching a benevolence offering opportunity. Benevolence offering is a fund that we have in our church that serves our people here with basic needs of life, sometimes food, sometimes fuel to get back and forth to work. Just making sure that our church family has what they need sometimes if they come up on hard times. If, and, and, and sometimes those relationships within even our church family, we want to do that. If you want to be a part of that ministry, we'll be taking the offering once a month, Lord's Supper weekend. Again, you can give in the back. There's a little thing back there. You can just put some cash in. Or if you want to write a check, make sure it goes to the benevolence offering. Also, you can also give online through our website. Uh, there is a benevolence drop-down menu if God prompts it on your heart. Say, I want to give to that ministry. That ministry is overseen by our elders right now. And so uh, that's one of the ways we want to be generous to those who can uh, benefit from the love of the generosity of the people of God. Let me pray for you before Gregory comes. Father, thank you for our time together. We pray that you're blessed and honored. Lord, give us the perspective we need. Don't let us store up a bunch of stuff down here. Don't let us do it, Father. Let us focus on heavenly, eternal treasures. We look to you. Give us the wisdom, the discernment. Uh, give us the, 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 the view of heaven. Looking unto you, saying, Father, we're, we're going to invest in kingdom things, which is people, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.